0: I'm Amina, a 2X Ivy Leaguer. Uh, Princeton is my alma mater, then I went to Penn.
1: so much and I think it's really really important to tell yourself that hey everything inshallah will work out right like it's it's so easy to get stressed out it's so easy to lose hope honestly um, I think
0: what would you say to your 18 year old self? How many years, if you don't mind my asking, are you removed from that time in your life?
1: Um, I am 10 years
0: removed. I'm 28. Right, yeah. So, I guess now that you have this perspective of a decade, looking back at your 18-year-old self, were there any forks in the road? Decision points where you were sort of confused, but now that you've gained this time and perspective... Is there any advice that she would give to that version of yourself?
1: I think the biggest thing is that things will work themselves out. Um, I think it's really easy to get stressed out about not knowing where you're going or what you're doing and not knowing what your career is going to look like, who you're going to marry, like personal and professional, um, what's going to happen with your family, like etc there's just so much going on right and i think as an 18 year old you really get caught up in just focusing so much on that like you're just trying to get to the next kind of step you're trying to perform really well really well in school get internships or like research opportunities etc and then interview and then finally get like a full time you're also trying to find a spouse potentially right like it's just so much and I think it's really really important to tell yourself that hey everything inshallah will work out right like it's it's so easy to get stressed out it's so easy to lose hope honestly um I think I remember like sophomore year there's a reason why they call it the sophomore slump like people start off so strongly freshman year and then halfway through college they're just like done they may be burnt out especially if you're an overachiever like who's worked so hard to get into a really really good school um you are surrounded by people that are like doing so well and so it's so easy to be get caught to get caught up in that and start comparing yourself to, to the people that you're surrounded by and like people that may seem more successful than you and I think it's so important to just like take a step back and and one think about everything that you've accomplished to get to that stage to be okay with not knowing the answers to everything, um, three, being optimistic that things will sort themselves out, and, like, I think that's also where being a Muslim comes into play, to be honest, right, like, I think being part of the Muslim community in college uh, really, really helped kind of give me that community and just, like, support and foundation to that, not everyone has, right? Like, you want that small community of, like, people that you can always go to and, like, that keeps you kind of grounded when you're right. aimless or, like, don't know what's going on. And so, yeah. <laughs> and whether whether that's your, like, close friends, whether those are the people that you're living with, if it's your, like, college roommate, et cetera, I think it's just so, so important to make sure, that, or it's your parents, like, siblings, etc. it's just so important to make sure that you have at least one person that you can talk to at all times and never feel like you're closed off and, like, uh, don't know what's going to happen and don't know what you're going to do with yourself. I I hear honestly for I I I don't think this is experience for most people, but for me, uh, growing up in like the Bay Area, a lot of the schools there are hyper competitive. Even in Seattle, like if you're going, uh, to a hyper competitive high school, you will run into kids that commit suicide before they even turn eighteen. And then you go to a really really good school and you will see suicides there so for me in high school um, and like the high school that my friends ended up going to and i moved when i was in high school actually so it was really hard for me because i moved from california to seattle when i was in high school um there are at least two people that come suicide and i was just so shocked when you graduate and when you're like 23 24 or after, I think 25 was a turning point for me, to be honest, you realize like none of that matters. None of that really, really mattered, to be honest. Like you're fine. The people that you work with didn't end up working, like uh, didn't always end up coming from the same exact background as you did. Um, They may be actually better at work-life balance than you are. I I personally struggled with that a lot. Actually, when I graduated from college into my first job at Microsoft, um, I would work all the time um I still kind of work (laughs) all the time but like now I'm better about it right like I'll turn my my phone off and my like email off etc during the weekend because I want to be able to spend time with my family um or I'll try not to work when I come back home after dinner and so that was actually really difficult because I I, I'm not a proponent of like work-life balance per se like I don't think there needs to be a black and white in terms of this is work and this is Um, personal life I do think there's a gray area and I think that balance is different for everyone and I think actually talking about it so much also introduces anxiety and stress on people that feel like their their life is imbalanced so take what what I'm saying with a grain of salt so I think it's different for everyone but in general I do think it's important to separate the two a little bit and like be able to do what is best for you where you're not feeling like you're stressed if you're if it makes you happy then it's fine if you feel like okay you're doing things and you're not able to do other things or spend as much time with your family and you're feeling guilty about it clearly there's something you need to improve upon so that was me right after graduation because at yale there was no boundary right like you're either you're eating food you're socializing <laughs> you're going to a, a meeting and then you're doing work late into the night saturdays you're doing p sets etc so like it's a blur, right? So you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's how life is. It's going to be a blur. Yeah. Sometimes I'm going to be socializing. Sometimes I'll be working. Sometimes there's no, like, set hours. Then you join a nine-to-five, and you're like, oh, what happened to that blur? Yeah,
0: <laughs> like,
1: How do you balance that? And so I think it takes time for everyone. I think some people are better at it than others to get to that level of balance for themselves. Um, I think it took me a couple years, personally speaking, and so... That's also something that I would tell myself, maybe not my 18-year-old self, probably my 22-year-old self graduating from college, but in general
0: I think the biggest takeaways are like
1: a lot of things that you're worrying about at that point in time in your life will not matter 5 years from now.
0: I think that's such a strong message just because I I remember recently the American Psychological Association came out with a study where they compared millennials to older generations and found that we have millennials have the greatest incidences of perfectionism so expecting it from ourselves you know this idea that 18 that at 18 16 whatever age you have to have your past future present sorted organized it's a lot of pressure but it's also absurd just because like like you said or you know implied we as muslims at least believe in destiny and i even remember seeing a tweet i don't believe the person was muslim but basically it said to worry about something before it happens is to worry yourself twice, and that just resonated <laughs> so much with me. <laughs> so, regarding your post-college life, it seems you didn't face any existential crisis. It seems you had a clear direction of what to pursue next. You know, is that an accurate depiction? Or
1: I think less existential, but definitely career-wise. Like, what do I want to focus on? What are the products and projects and, like, spaces that I want to be working on? Do I want to go back to grad school and do an MBA or not? I think those are the types of questions that I was running into, right? Like, is it valuable? What do I want to do after grad school? And then I eventually decided, no, doing an MBA wouldn't be valuable because if I graduated, I would actually be in the same role that I'm in right now. So it wouldn't be better for my career. It would be better if i wanted to pivot careers and at that point in time i just loved what i was doing so i was like i probably don't want to pivot my career out of tech or do something else um so that's why i forewent that and then it was thinking about okay what what is like the coolest thing that i could be working on right now and how do i make myself get into that space and i think that was the next pivot that i had which was um either it's a different company or it's like within the same company Um, And at Microsoft, I started off in Microsoft Office. I was working in the email productivity space. um, And I just loved that when I started, I was like, wow, email is a product that I use. I remember when Gmail, for example, first came out and like, again, as a nerd in middle school. And so I was like, cool, I get to be on the other side. I get to design experiences and build like this email client out. And we acquired a startup in San Francisco and like built a mobile email presence for Outlook, et cetera. So that was really, really cool. But then I was like, where's the future heading, and what do I, how do I get to be part of that? And that was, for me, augmented reality and virtual reality, and that was just so amazing. So I had the opportunity to interview and look at a bunch of different options and companies, and eventually I decided to work on the HoloLens team at Microsoft. And that was probably one of the only teams that I wanted to work at at that company, and um, alhamdulillah I got the opportunity on the Platform Experiences team. And got to see kind of a bunch of different products going out in that space. So we first, when I joined that team, were working on a virtual reality headset. And we built that out for like everyday people to use. Because traditionally, virtual reality, even right now, is still very, very heavily focused towards gamers. And like people that can afford to pay a thousand plus dollars for like the high-end headset, the high-end graphics card and PC and all of that. And so we were trying to make a product that was way cheaper for a couple hundred bucks, easily accessible. It it uses inside-out tracking, which basically amounts to not having to set up a bunch of different sensors in your room, which takes a lot of time and no one wants to do. And so that is one piece of advice I would give to everyone is like, go into a career and space that makes you uncomfortable because that's how you know you're learning. And that team made me extremely uncomfortable when I joined. I knew nothing about that space. All I knew was like the initial research that I'd done. I went out and went to Best Buy, bought a HTC Vive because that was the, the best virtual reality experience that was available. Um, and then I was like, yeah, I should probably know a, a little something about this product if I want to go work on it, right? Like you need to have some precedence. Um, so I kind of just jumped into it headfirst, started using it for myself, built opinions around it, and then eventually interviewed for the team saying, hey, this is what I've done. This is what I think. And here's what I think we could be doing in this space. Um, and then when I joined, just being on the other side and actually working on that space was just amazing. Honestly, like we half more than half of the conversations that we were having were so sci-fi, like thinking about the (laughs) future, a lot of the inspiration was like, okay, this is what you see in movies or you read about. And now we're actually making it possible physically, right? So I was working on an augmented reality headset, HoloLens. That was the first one that had come out. Now the HoloLens 2 has shipped. Um, it actually shipped in February of this year. So right after I left the team, we were launching that. And it was just so amazing because the types of problems that I was working on was just like eye tracking, for example. Imagine looking at something in front of you and using only your eyes to move it around or using only your eyes to like select things. And so I would be like putting on this headset and I would just be tapping in the air and, like, moving things and putting apps on my wall and putting YouTube on this wall and Netflix on another wall and, like, 3D, um, 3D models and playing with them and just, like, a different world, right? And I'm just so, so excited about the future of technology and, like, the future of, like, augmented reality in particular that it was just an amazing space to be working in and an amazing space to be thinking about those problems. And so... I was building out kind of the rules of that world. And what does that look like? Can you use eye tracking? Can you use hand tracking? How do we detect your hand accurately? So like measuring out kind of where your fingers are, where your tip is, et cetera. So you can just like tap and press on things in air, right? And for it to yeah. recognize that as um, a physical object. Basically, we were trying to emulate the physical world within the digital world. And so trying to figure out what that what that looks like and how that makes sense. Um, I created a portal to be able to kind of see your physical world from the VR headset. So when you put on that headset, you can actually not see the room today, right? So we created this feature called flashlight where on your remote control, when you turn that on, you'd basically see a bubble that appeared around your control when you're inside of that digital world that is a camera into your physical world. So you can literally shine it anywhere and you can see your room. So in case your cat decides to come up to you while you're playing a game, you can still say hi, or, like, move things around, or watch out for your cat so you don't step on it um, while you're playing. And so, it was just a lot of kind of cool, cool things that we were building, and I got really, really excited about that, and I think that's just, like, a dream job for so many people, and I got to work on that, and it was just an amazing experience. Um, so, yeah, just, like, going back, I think those are the kind of opportunities that are available in tech that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. And,
0: yeah um... So, at the behest of Skype, I have to interrupt this broadcast every 15 minutes at 15-minute intervals to remind you that the software used for this conversation is brought to you by Skype. Uh, I should also mention that Scivio seeks to undermine the status quo and render the pursuit of higher ed equitable for all. Or at least it once did. How do you discover that about which your passionate and can you have co-passions is that really possible maybe it is because you can have more than one passion that you're pursuing or, or would like to pursue and the reason there's that multiplicity that plurality is because Each of those passions reflects the same underlying affinity that you have towards something. Um, So this interruption became a bit more stream of consciousness. Um, Initially, it started out as the fulfillment (laughs) of of a legal, technically, order then it changed to well I should plug Skivia if I have to plug Skype and then it evolved into this deeper almost existential if not directly existential question about how does one decide what to pursue which honestly this is coming full circle because is that not the purpose of Scivio Radio, right? I've interviewed people from a range of backgrounds and you find that I consistently ask about whether the path they're currently on was one they imagined they would embark upon, right? If this path that they're on now is it something that they knew from a young age, from earlier in life, from whatever point, whatever previous point that they were being called to, right? <laughs> if we're going to invoke a sense of destiny. Or is it really just the reflection of their wanting to change, right? There's nothing deeper. It wasn't um, from a historical or a childhood you know, fantasy about what, what I want to be you know, before I'm 30, because apparently uh, there's a deadline that's that's quite ageist, right? You know, uh, how many authors and writers only wrote their first book, you know, at, when they were 50 or 60, in their 50s, in their 60s, right? How many great things were accomplished by humankind from people who were in middle age or older? So I honestly don't know where this deadline comes from thank you for sticking with me through (laughs) yet another digression and I return you back to my programming and this conversation and follow Skivio on Instagram and Twitter Uh, Facebook Skivio isn't active so you can follow us there as well but um, there, it would only be a show of support. <laughs> it wouldn't be to receive any information um, or content or resources, because I'm very big on that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. I remember even, um, not as if I was <laughs> there, but, you know, it was um, the case in the 20th century. It was science fiction to be able to speak to someone through a screen and now today like how many screens are there through which we communicate with people what do you think the limits are of augmented reality virtual reality like we've put a man on the moon like really use your imagination what do you think is really possible
1: i think it's limitless honestly like you can already plant yourself on in a different city and feel as if you're fully actually there and walking around that city Um, You can already talk to people in virtual reality, for example, that are thousands of miles away as if they're standing in front of you. Um, Mm -hmm. We were thinking about creating holograms that represent everyone. So literally I could, I mean, this is very sci-fi-esque. This is very like movies-esque and it's all possible, right? Like seeing a hologram of me standing in in your living room, even though I'm in a different country. I think Mm -hmm. that is what amazes me and like excites me the most. It's just like, the opportunity to connect people is insane, and right now, the only way to do that is through like planes and physically traveling to meet those people, or two D through Skype and your laptop. But what if you could actually like feel like you were sitting in the same living room, even though it's like three different living rooms spread right across the world? Mm. Um, so I think it is completely limit limitless. Like, I'm a huge Harry Harry Potter like Harry Potter nerd, <laughs> and so for me. A lot of my inspiration came from like what I read about and like grew up reading about and then getting to work on technology that was making a lot of those things possible was just like mind blowing, just mind blowing. So I'm really, really excited. And I think the possibilities are limitless, to be honest, like there's just so much that you can do.
0: So I guess I'm curious, if you don't mind my asking, um, you and your team at Microsoft came out with the HoloLens to this February, this past February, and this was before you left Microsoft. Why did you leave Microsoft? Is it because an opportunity presented itself at Facebook, or was there another reason?
1: Oh yeah, so I transitioned from Microsoft to Facebook like eight months ago, around that time, when I was done kind of launching the second version of HoloLens 2. I felt like that was a good transition point. Um, It was less about kind of not wanting to work on ARVR, but more about trying a different company. I think working in tech, especially if you're in like the Bay Area, it's almost a given that you're going to work across different companies, different cultures and see what it's like. And for me, I'd only worked at Microsoft after graduating from college. And so the biggest motivation was really, okay, let me just try out a different company and see how I like it. Less about Microsoft what I was doing there because it was totally a dream job and something that I was super, super passionate about and something that I can definitely see myself working on again. Uh, But more so about, okay, Facebook is also an amazing opportunity um in a different way right like facebook is probably one of the only companies where you get to work on a product that is impacting 2 billion plus people on the planet so for me i think that was also equally appealing or if not more is just the ability to make an even greater impact now yeah. right like just a lot faster
0: you can find something remarkable about this guest by swiping up At least I'm not a podcast. I should also plug myself.